Hey, Happy Enders. It is another week, and we did it. Congratulations. Woo, woo, woo. Um, same sponsors, uh, but still I'm not getting anything on it. So I don't, um, not that I'm trying to, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm supposed to say right now. I'm so freaking tired. Um, but let's just go through it real quick. Blue Apron, they shop for you, cook for you, or no, 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 they don't cook for you. Fuck. Okay. So they shop for you. They send you the recipe. You cook, you eat it. Um, but if you use promo code blueapron.com slash happy endings, it does not work, but there's a link somewhere. Um, and you get 30% off your first order, which I mean, I do use, I have used Blue Apron. It is a very cool service. Um, so do it. Uh, famous smoke shop. If you like cigars, um, you can use promo code hot 20, which is H O T two zero and you get $20 off your purchase of $145 or more hot 10 H O T one zero. You get $10 off your purchase of $85 or more handy app. It is a app where you can get somebody to come clean your house, build something, fix something, clean your pool cook your dinner from Blue Apron. And if you use promo code APPSAVE30, which is A-P-P-S-A-V-E-3-0, you get 30% off your first booking. Shoe Dazzle is a subscription shoe where you take a quiz. They send you shoes every month, which fucking that's awesome. I mean, how, I don't know, like happy shoes. Or if you use promo code happy shoes, which is H-A-P-P-Y-S-H-O-E-S, you get $10 for your first subscription box. And Dollar Days, Dollar Days is a bulk website where you can get bulk shampoo, bulk, bulk clothing, anything like that. Um, and if you use promo code happy ending 20, which is H-A-P-P-Y-E-N-D-I-N-G-S-2-0, you get $20 off your purchase of $200 or more. Or happy ending ship, which is H-A-P-P-Y-E-N-D-I-N-G-S-S-H-I-P, you get a flat rate shipping of $9.95. Also, the sponsors that um, I'm really proud of that are actually helping us out is Care by Design and Absolute Extract. They actually give me CBD oil or lotion that I get to use on my patients. And this stuff is amazing. Care by Design. All of their stuff, I've tried their CBD lotion, which I highly, highly recommend. Their CBD oil and drops. Um, which help with my anxiety. I don't know if you guys can tell <laughs> from listening to me, but I am a high anxiety person. And then also the CBD pills. Um, they had THC stuff too, edibles, blah, 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 blah. But the other stuff is freaking amazing. And then um, Thick and Tasty Pizza on 444... La Cienega Boulevard, they have actually sent us pizza. They're willing to send us more pizza, and I'm a fat chick, so obviously pizza is life. Now, um, this episode of Happy Endings is very special for me because the person on it to me is a legend, and he is amazing. We've been talking about trying to get him on the podcast for probably over a year now, and I finally got him, the legend Jeff Scott, who is the house piano player for the comedy store for 23 years. And the amount of knowledge and history this man has from the comedy store is mind blowing. And I could have talked to him for hours, but I was afraid I was going to make his back sore by just keep massaging him. So I actually had to force myself to stop. Um, but he will be probably my first second timer on this podcast because having him on was fantastic. Like he left and I still wanted to keep talking to him. So, um, Jeff Scott, he also was a Pee Wee Herman impersonator. I mean, he was a mime, just the most amazing person ever. Like that you, if you've ever met a person where you just want them to keep talking, this is Jeff Scott for me. And, um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, which you fucking will because it's 
fucking awesome. And um, please like, comment, subscribe, especially on iTunes. That's where we're going to get our changes and people are going to start really responding to us. And if you want to sponsor me, if you have an idea for a guest, um, any ideas, anything, if you want to talk to me, you can get me on Instagram. I think it's MassageCast or it's Happy Indians with Joy Eileen. Twitter, um, anything like that. Or you can just email me at joyshappyindians at gmail.com and enjoy. Get undressed, get under the sheets. Ooh, you're in for a treat. No, I promise this is not a dream. It's just a happy ending with Joy Eileen. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm so excited. Hello. Oh, picture. You're yeah. so smart. Oh, this might be dead. It's a good laugh. Just a dead. Okay, I'm going to make you have to take your face through the hole, and I'm going to take the Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> okay, hold on. Look at this. There we go. Aww. One, two, three. One, two, three. Perfect. Woo! <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> No, not you, stupid. Just my face through the. No. <laughs> so this is only this is your second massage. Uh, yeah. I mean, the other one. I was in a car accident and I wrenched my right shoulder and uh, neck, and I uh, saw a chiropractor for a year in like every third visit was a guy that did uh, massage therapy. And they always said, oh, you're so tense, you're loosen up, loosen up. I'm like, I don't know what more I can do to be loose. <laughs> you're like, give me a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> That's different. Well, aren't you doing all right? I have one right. patient, he's in a wheelchair. Uh-huh. I've massaged him for 12 years. He's family. He's like, wow. And he was like, one of these days, Joy, I'm going to bring a drink. I'm going to get a long straw. <laughs> I'm all this strong. It better be long enough for me, too. Hilarious. Oh, Steve, he's a good guy. Now, they can't see what you're doing, though. We're recording it. Oh, okay. I'm thinking, how do they know that it's actually... Oh, there's something. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like that. That's, That's exactly where you're like, um, um. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Well, we used to do just audio. Uh-huh. And then Sam Tripoli yelled at me. He was like, Joy! I'm like, okay, okay. And then we started doing the video and then Sam Triple yelled at me again. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to start recording it under the table. But of course my camera died, so that's not working. So normally I get two angles. And we're trying to get on all things comedy where they can. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. They are doing such amazing work. Aren't they? I'm so it's, happy for them. It really is. I didn't know uh, until I went for the Brody thing. I didn't know Al uh, Madrigal. Madrigal was involved. I knew it was Bill Burr, but I didn't know who else was in it. Yeah. Which That's is the thing. great. Everyone talks about Bill, and Bill's great, but uh, so much of the work, I'm told, is done by Al. Oh, yeah. And he's just, he just does the work and puts his head down. I forget when we did the... Um, the Brody Memorial there. I forget whose baby. Somebody was there with their baby. And, Aaron? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, was and, Charlie there? And Al was just, you know, instant dad mode and grabbed the baby, and he's, like, making silly faces and getting him to laugh and stuff. I'm like, oh, look at you. Never never saw this side. <laughs> I saw him get pissed off at Polly Shore one night on stage. 
I have seen that. Oh, it was very. It, it was to the point because when we first started going there six, seven years ago. Yeah. And it was the main room. No, no, it wasn't the main room or the original room. I can't remember. But right before Polly brought Al on stage, he's like, "Yeah, and if you guys want to go smoke or have a drink, just get up and leave and blah blah blah." Oh. And Al's like, "He just told you guys to leave before I got on stage." <laughs> And we were looking at each other, John and I were like, is this, is this happen? Is this a joke? Like, we were so confused. Yeah. Well, intros don't always go like they are supposed to. No. You know, sometimes people will, comics will come over and ask me, what are their credits? No. So I try to have, like, everybody's credits in my head, which is why I still don't know all the new waitresses' names, because <laughs> I need to know comics and their credits more. Right. <laughs> Sounds rude, but it's just there's only so much brain up there. <laughs> but last night, Owen Smith was bringing up uh, uh, Josh Wolf, mm. and he's like, he's got this great podcast called um, <laughs> it's called something something Josh Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he looked it up. He's like, no, I can look it up. And he's, he gave the real name of it. And then Josh comes up, and the first thing Josh was said was. That's the old podcast. I haven't done that in three years. Oh, <laughs> no. I've been Jay Elaine a lot. Lots of times. Jay yeah. Elaine, the first time I showcased at the Hollywood Improv. Really? Yeah. I was like, Joy Eileen. And I'm like, it's, it's pretty easy, pretty easy. And she's like, oh, that's easy. And then, yeah, it was Jay Elaine. Oh, that's not even. You messed up both of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mitzi used to call me Scott. And I was like, that's no problem because that's my... Actually, Scott's my middle name, but that's what I use for stage. Name. Eileen's my middle name. Uh huh. There you go. And it's my favorite thing when people come up to John and call him Mr. Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody probably referred to my parents once as Mr. and Mrs. Scott. <laughs> but my last name is Frere, and it's spelled just like prayer, but with an F. Okay. And it seems like it's so simple. And when I hit started my performing career in the 70s doing children's birthday parties and mime at shopping malls and stuff like that there was no internet use you, you know called somebody up you gave them your address and they sent you a check and then you waited and <laughs> the checks would always have to go back because they'd be written out to jeff fraser frymer fraser phaser fraser oh and uh i thought you know what i'll just go by jeff scott i can do two signature cards at the bank yeah we'll see when I was about to publish my first book, my dad was like, well, you're going to be Joy Simpson, right? And then my father-in-law was like, you're going to be Joy Barnett, right? And I was like, uh. <laughs> And then my grandpa used to always call me Joy. I think, Joy Eileen, tell me a dirty joke. That was his favorite thing. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to be Joy Eileen. There you go. And even, yeah, so I published under Eileen. And then yep. I started doing comedy. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, there are tons of people that don't know that Scott's not my last name at work. And Mincy always called me Scott because she has a scum name. A son. A scum name. She has a son named Scott. So I always just figured, you know, call me Scott. And what is Don calling you? Timmy? Timmy. Timmy. Hi, Timmy. How did that start? Uh, I was was playing drunk piano character number seven. (laughs) And uh, I said, hi, Don, my name's Timmy. Oh, it just stuck. And it just stuck. 
Yeah. So how long have you been at the store? I am in my 23rd year. It started December 9th, 1995, which was going into Richard Pryor's last year performing in public. He was up there on Wednesday and Friday nights. And I'd come in early and get the piano set up. And on uh, Wednesday, Richard would be there early, have him a drink with Mitzi, and I'd get the piano set up. And then I'd sit with them and just listen to those two legends talk. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Yeah. That was like the first photo and only photo I took for 10 years with three of us once in the OR. Oh, I love it. <laughs> And then when did you stop doing the Halloween tour? Uh, that was just a four-year show. Okay. And I think we stopped like six, seven years ago, something like that. It was like right before we started going. Cause I remember oh, really? You, yeah, you told us when we were at Hermosa Beach at Mary's show. Uh-huh. You, you were like, yeah, we stopped it. And I'm like, but that's like right when we started going. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was, you know, sort of a concept where we'd show... Uh, I'd host videos that I put together to show the old club and then uh, some segments from Unsolved Mysteries when they did stories about the, the ghosts. And then we'd have a magician perform and then we would uh, turn out all the lights in the club and give people flashlights and give them a uh, flashlight tour. And uh, at that point at time at night, the original room was going, but the other shows then were empty. So we'd just walk around the club in the dark, take them down to the basement that was filled to the ceiling with old posters and <laughs> boxes of who knows what. Mm-hmm. And I remember you told me, and I can't remember, because I don't, whose pink couch was that in the basement? Oh, uh, May West. May West. Mitzi, okay. Mitzi bought that from the estate of May West. Yeah, one year when I did the Halloween show, I set the front lobby up like zeros. Uh, we, had, we had students from the uh, Art Institute of Los Angeles come in. And it was sort of like their senior program. I forgot how I got hooked up with that, the lady that ran that program. But I said, hey, we have all this, you know, antique furniture and things that were actual zeros. And they sort of looked at old pictures and recreated, uh, like, wall patterns and some of the stones that used to be around the top of the club. Mm-hmm. So the whole lobby was all dressed vintage. It was very cool. It is so cool. Yeah, I was but, trying to tell somebody. I'm like, yeah, the pink couch. And I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, just I, I just did it for four years, and it was like this is a big undertaking. <laughs> Plus, at that time we were starting to get busier, right? And so it wasn't as easy to just you know get a, a, a night in the main room where I'd only draw maybe forty or fifty people. Right. When I first started it, the main room I think was still just open Tuesday and uh, uh, Friday and Saturday. That's <laughs> Not like now where we're doing two shows in the main room, seven nights a week. <laughs> Sold out. Sold out. Two yeah. in the belly, one in the OR. We're probably running, what, 16 to 1,800 people through the club a night. Uh, so many chicken tenders. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's so funny when people get so annoyed good. that you don't remember them. It's like... I see 800 people. Yeah, yeah, I've had that too. I don't, I don't know who you are. I'm sorry, you're not special. <laughs> the sad thing is, I have that weird, stupid memory where I do remember people, really? and then I scare people. I'm like, oh, how did you pay your meter? And they're like, what the fuck? Like, sorry. Sorry, that was last time. Um, yeah, yeah. I do that to patients too. Like they'll leave and they'll come back like two years later, and I'm like, oh, the last time I saw you, your daughter had a ballet performance, and they're like, what the fuck, Joy? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I remember things sometimes, but like only about people that I generally care about. It's just, when somebody's like, um, my boyfriend. I'm like, I don't. I, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> He's late. Go stand over there. <laughs> That's yeah. why, like, somebody will be like, hey, can I get extra napkins? And I'm like, probably in two hours, but I will bring them. And yeah. sure enough, I'm like, hey, I came back. <laughs> Sorry. Took so long. Somebody the other night, I did uh, an early show of Sean Polofsky's Facebook rant. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. What a fantastic idea. Yeah. It, it's It's fun. Uh, that was the second one. We've got two more scheduled coming up. Uh-huh. But uh, Sean always starts the show by reading somebody's, you know, rant. And uh, so I underscored on piano. And I was uh, up there after the show getting the piano struck. And there was somebody who was going to be running sound for the next show. Mm. And I guess I came up to get Jody. And I don't know who she thought I was. And she was like, Nembo. Nembo. <laughs> and I finally turned. She's like, Nembo, do you have a dongle for this? <laughs> like, like, am what? I high? <laughs> yeah, I haven't even smoked yet. What the hell is going on here? You're like, are you one of the ghosts? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it, it wasn't Nembo, but it like Nang, Nangi. Or it was some, I was like, this isn't even like, you know, Bob or, <laughs> or excuse me, sir. Yeah. You know? And, of course, right now they're in the middle of remodeling the belly room, so the sound system is hooked up to, like, some rented speakers, uh-huh. and everything's pulled apart, and that's all I know. I, I haven't even looked at that soundboard to know if there's there should be a cord up there to plug a, a MP3 player into, but Nempo! <laughs> I know, I walked into the belly room, and I'm all, what the fuck are they doing now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's as you can see, the ceiling never had um, uh, what do you call it insulation. Uh huh. So that's why in the middle of uh, July, when we're running the AC on full up there, Ugh. it's a yeah. hundred degrees. Yep. Especially on a Tuesday when you've got you know roast battle. Uh, and Monday it's when you have the ding dong show. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a major. That'll make a huge difference this summer. I don't think they're going to put the mirrors back, but oh. I have heard that they might put the stage back to where it originally was, which is in the middle of the room. You oh. know, if you're if you're in the back of the room looking at the stage, uh-huh. the stage would be to the right against the wall, so you're standing facing that row of seats and the the top deck of seats where uh-huh. the judges sit for the battle. Uh-huh. That's why they're facing like that because that's facing straight out to the stage, and the floor seats would sort of be. You know, in the round, in the round, around the, the edges of it. Yeah, huh? I did not know that. Yeah. That's huh. Well, and I'm I think of, that puts more seats in there, also. Uh huh. I'm kind of glad they're taking the mirrors because one time I was doing a show in the belly room and the cord came out of the microphone, uh-huh. and I got to watch myself bend over <laughs> and pick that cord up. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I see it, and I'm like, this is far too reminiscent of ballet class. I don't like it. <laughs> Show is over, and I'm going to go vomit now. Thank you. I'm going to go beat my feelings. <laughs> they also didn't tell me when they put that big picture of Brody up in the stairwell. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. walking with the chicken tenders, and I turned around, and I go, what the fuck? And Jen ran out, and she's like, what? I'm all, no warning. No warning. And yeah. now I'm going to yeah. walk and cry. Thank yeah, no, I, I just, yeah. I sat on the stairs and cried. No. Just, I was all like, I just, okay. I'm like, damn it. I'm, I blew him a kiss. I blow him. Every time I walk by, I blow him yeah. a kiss. Yeah. I, uh, I have a thing where I, when I go into the store, especially if it's like earlier in the day, 
I say hi to all the ghosts. But uh-huh. I, I have specific ones that I say hi to. So like, you know, Mitzi and Richard and Sam and I guess. Do you say hi to Gus? I do say hi to okay. Gus. But uh, it was, I think, a few days after he had died that I uh, I said hi to Brody for the first time. And I just sat in the main room by myself and cried. Yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't compute. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. No. Have you ever heard Jeff's ghost stories? No. <laughs> <laughs> My experiences at our club? Yes. Well, I've only had three. Uh, one night, and this was probably 15 years ago, uh, middle of the show, I was playing piano in the main room, and I went backstage just to let whoever know, you know that they'd be going on next or something. And so they switched switch comics, and then when I got that guy on, I went back to the main room to use the restroom, since it's one of the cleaner restrooms in the building. <laughs> and there's like, you know, little toilet back there and sort of swinging doors. That don't close. Right, that don't close. Oh. And uh, I'm standing up, urinating. <laughs> um, and Vicki Barbalak had opened the show that night. And her wigs and things were still back there in the dressing room. So I knew that she hadn't left. So I'm standing back there pissing, and I hear on the tile, click, 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 you know, female uh, high heels. And they come from the dressing room into the bathroom area. So I didn't want Vicky to jump. So I just sort of leaned back out of the stall. And I'm like, Vicky, I'm here. And she should have been like right in front of me. And there was nobody there, and I zipped up super quick, and I ran out to the uh, the green room area and looked behind the bar to see if somebody was fucking with me. And I looked behind the stage, and there was nobody anywhere. But that's such a distinct sound of women's high heels on the tile. <laughs> and then uh, there was a time that I was sitting at the uh, where you go backstage to the main room. Uh huh. To the if you walk through that little doorway there at the front of the club. If you go to the right, you go backstage. If you go to the left, there's the stairs that go up to the uh, sound booth. Uh-huh. So I was sitting back there at the end of the night, and I saw some somebody in the main room walking. I can't remember even why I got up, but I just got up and looked into the main room. There used to be a little bench right there in front of that. And the door that goes through beside the, uh, the, the sound booth steps... It goes through the front uh, cover booth area uh-huh. in the main room. That door was completely open. And it also sticks on the carpet. It doesn't lock. It doesn't close all the way. You'd have to kick it to get it to you know, unstick on the carpet and close completely. And I just got up. I stuck my head around the corner to see who it was. And when I came back, literally in a matter of seconds, that door was completely shut. Handle turned in the th- and. And I had a damn time trying to open it because I thought somebody just did that and they're on the other side. So I finally got the door open. There wasn't anybody inside. wasn't anybody out in the lobby. And then... This is my favorite one. <laughs> I, I saw something. Uh, you know, we have that door that goes to the alley behind the club, uh-huh. where we, which we call Sacred Ground, where we do not smoke a pot. No. no. Never. Uh, and there's a little, uh, you know, 12 by 12 inch square window in that door. So I was walking back there one night, and I saw somebody standing right in front of the door in, like, a white hoodie, but their back was to the door. So I could just tell that, you know, there's somebody standing there with a hoodie on. So I opened the door slowly, and they moved, like, a couple steps forward to right in front of the railroad ties. And I continued to open the door, and, you know, matters a second or two, the door swings open, 
and I realized it wasn't somebody standing there. It was literally the shape of a, the outline of a person. It's like if you could blow a bubble, that would be the exact outline of a generic person, mm-hmm. uh, except it wasn't touching the ground. It was about 12 inches off the ground, and the whole thing was like filled with smoke. So it was like basically smoke inside a bubble, you know, and then the edges went soft. It wasn't like it popped or anything, but the edges of the bubble went soft, but it still stayed in the shape of a human. And the smoke went to the left down the alley. And I watched it go all the way down the alley. And I turned and I ran inside because I never, and you know, it was, it was still sort of light out. It was before the show had started. And as I ran back in the door, Tony Hinchcliffe was coming out, and I <laughs> pushed past him. And then I saw Tony later in the night, much later, we were sitting back there, and he's like, what was that all about? He said, when you push past me, because he knew something was weird. Uh-huh. And I told him what happened, and he said, dude, that thing was upstairs in the phone room today. He said, I was working earlier today on the phones, and I walked through the hallway to go to the men's bathroom in the belly room, and I turned the corner, and it was there right in the doorway. He said, like, perfect outline of a human, except it didn't touch the, the ground completely, and it was just, like, you know, all filled with smoke. And he just turned around and was like, okay, and walked right back <laughs> to his desk. So we both saw the same thing in the same day. And when I was doing the ghost show, I talked to a uh, spiritualist who said that that ghost might be what they call an entity, which means it's not necessarily Gus or something connected to our club because the the uh, smoke itself didn't touch the ground. It was like 12 inches above the ground. So it could have been somebody that died at the hotel next door or a house up at the top of the hill that's just able to... You know, somebody is able to wander around more than just within our building. Because mm-hmm. Gus people only see in the main room. Right. No. And then there was a lady that used to do abortions during the mob days uh-huh. up in the belly room, which is why Mitzi named it the belly room. I fucking love her. I yeah. love her. <laughs> she, to me, is the modern-day Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. I did an essay. Well, I never published it, but I put it <laughs> on my blog about how I connected her to the modern day Scarlett O'Hara and how, you know, the comedy store's Tara. Yeah. She did, you know, she did some shady shit just to make sure Tara survived and her family survived just like Scarlett O'Hara did. Right. I never published it though, but yeah. Hmm. Love Mitzi. I had a weird one. I was in the phone room behind the, uh, the main room booth. Yeah. And, uh, I, I sat there by myself and I hear things sometimes when I'm back there working and stuff. And, uh, or the, the, co- uh, the cages for the merch and stuff will open by themselves or different things like that. I sat there one day and all of a sudden there's just this huge smash. And I thought it, it sounded like someone had taken a glass and thrown it against the wall. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, fun chows here. Uh, <laughs> what's he angry about? Come here. Um, it scared me. And I was like, hello? I hadn't heard beat. I hadn't heard anything. Yeah. I walked out, and one of the lights um, from the, the ceiling in the lobby had just, it just smashed on the ground. Wow! And it wasn't like it had fallen out because there was no mm-hmm. like the stock wasn't left in it. Yeah. In in the ceiling, like the whole it was like it had been unscrewed and dropped, and it was loud because I heard it in That's the kitchen. That's creepy. Yeah. I ran into the 
I, yeah, because yeah. everyone came running because they were like, what just happened? Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, I was standing there like, I, t- I, I think Mincy's mad at me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I think I'm fired. I think I'm fired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Remember the first day I started working at the store? Yeah. And I walked by and they had this sign that went up to the belly room and they just kind of hung in on the corner and it said, bitch. And I walked by it with chicken tenders and the bitch sign fell and I'm all, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love you. That's uh, Tammy Jones show. Uh-huh. Bitch. It's like, I bitch. <laughs> Maybe I am. I don't. I try, but it doesn't work. <laughs> I always figured that when the piano used to be uh, in the main room, right beside the stage, I'd uh, come in early and practice and play. And since I play all this, you know, late '30s, '40s music, I figured I'd get some sort of acknowledgement, like, hey, we like this, but. Mm-hmm. Never anything other than those three experiences. Has anybody ever seen, like, Lebetkin? Like, that's the one I always wondered about. No. On the other hand, he didn't die in the building. Right. You know? No. But, he didn't even uh, make it to the parking lot. No. <laughs> right about, probably about five feet from the edge of the, the Hilton. I think that's what it was back then. Oh, Luke Deck was telling me about that. That's a crazy story. Yeah, Lou knows everything. He's... He's the original archivist, so he's helping me passing on history and personal items of collection to me. I love that. I love it when you post pictures. And John, <laughs> even more so, because he's such a history nerd. Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, there's a lot of history. In fact, I found out from Lou that there was never a tunnel that went up to the Hillcrest house. That, that was just a big story that they used to tell the other comic now, what about as a the, goof. But there is one from the basement okay. that would go under the sunset to the House of Blues. That's the one I knew about. Okay. Yeah, it's in the window. Uh, there's two windows in the front of the basement there. And it's mm, the one yeah. that, it's the window to the right, that, the room that had all the Ciro's china oh, up against okay, the yeah. wall. Yeah, that that's a crawl space that we go down to the other club across the street. Now, how did you get into the comedy store? Like, how... Did you just walk in? Uh, uh, No. I was, like every person, doing typical acting things, some voiceover, commercials, whatever type of work I could get. And I got a job working for an entertainment attorney. I was with him for like three and a half years, and then I just left. (laughs) Okay. Um, And the day that I, uh, like that week after I'd left, I was... uh, Looking into getting like just temp work, you know, temp agency because I like to answer phones and type. That's about all I could really do. No talent in the real world. Um, but my neighbor had seen on public access uh, cable an ad that just said Hollywood nightclub seeks pianist and the phone number, and he wrote it down for me. And I'm like, well, thank you very much, but I don't read cheap music. You know, I can't really play for singers and stuff like that. So I just put the note down on my desk and it sat there for a couple weeks. And one day I decided to call um, and they answered World Famous Comedy Store. And I told them what I was calling about. And I spoke to Mike Becker, who was the vice president and head piano player. And he's like, gee, I wish you had called a... A couple weeks ago, we've already filled the position, but you know, I gave him my references and said he'd uh, hold on to my number. And then I uh, got a temp job just doing data entry at a uh, textile factory out near the airport. And I think it was the first week of December in 95, I, I came into work and they're like, today's your last day. I'm like, okay, I've got the next three months covered. You know, I'm good. 
And I came home and there was only one message on my answering machine. And like I said, it was almost a year after I had uh, called the, the, the number. Uh-huh. And it was Mike Becker calling back and saying, hey, you uh, called me about a year ago about uh, playing piano here. Would you be interested in coming in to audition? And I went in and auditioned the next day. And I started the very next night, December 9th, 1995. I fucking love it. Oh and then God. they got rid of another piano player because Mitzi liked what I was doing better. <laughs> Plus the other guy would like try to do insult stuff. He would stand oh. up. He stood up at the piano. Ugh. And he would be playing while people come in, but he'd be talking in the mic like, Hey, lady with the wig on, nobody knows that that's a wig. Uh, it was just so corny. And so suddenly she actually wanted me to play all seven nights a week. I'm like, how about I do five? <laughs> so you and Mitzi were close. I got pretty close to her, I think, yeah. I mean, like, a lot of comics told me that piano players were, it's one thing that you're safe from, getting fired. If you play well, do what you're supposed to do, then it's one of the jobs you don't get fired from. Because <laughs> me and Mitzi would just see a door guy and she'd like his look and you're fired. I will say, and I think Emily and I have both talked about this, like, we wonder, like, how much she would hate us. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, it doesn't help when, when people like Argus and stuff, like, oh, if Mitzi was here, you'd never get hired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's, that's a your fault thing, not me. Well, she wouldn't have uh, male waiters. You know, it was always female, and she only had Thai bartenders. But, and now we have three paid regulars that are bartenders. Yeah. That's the first ever with Lucas Hurl and Punky Johnson and, uh, 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 come on, stupid brain, Josh Martin. Oh, that's right. Josh is a bartender. I thought you were going to say, yeah. I'm right, Josh is a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, really, sorry, Josh, is <laughs> Josh terrifies me now. <laughs> he walks around like a little rooster, and I'm like, I yeah. don't mess yeah, but he's a good kid inside. He is. I know. And I want, you know what it is? I want to mom him really, really bad. <laughs> I want to hug him and cook him dinner and like Aww. bring him into our You're home. so special. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the door guys were like, just ignore him. Like, don't even bother. Because I, I was, I would always say hi and he would ignore me. And I was like, hope you're okay. And they're like, why are you even bothering? And I was like, because he's so broken. Mm -hmm. so, and they were, they were like, yeah, but that's not your problem. And I was like, I know, but he just, aw. See, I was meant for boys. I have three boys, and I, I just, I was meant for boys. They just connect with me more, I think. And I'm like, oh. Like when I took Tebow for, you know, for Thanksgiving. I'm like, come on, you're coming to our house for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so what is your favorite memory of the comedy store? Uh, oh, favorite memory. Holy crap. Well, I... I'm going to ask worse. I, I think it might have been the time we got Robin Williams back into rehab. You and Rick? Yeah. <laughs> it was Rick's 21st birthday. I don't remember if Rick was already a paid regular or not. He might have been. Uh, and Robin came in, and he was watching Rick on stage in just awe. Like, how does this young kid know all these comics that I used to know and their names? And, you know, Rick has that memory. He'll see a name on the wall, ask somebody about them, and then that information is stuck in there forever. Mm -hmm. And so he would be doing uh, impressions of Argus but back when Argus used to drink. Drunk Argus. Drunk Argus. And uh, Rick went into the uh, kitchen with his buddies after a set, and Robin came in, and, you know, just fascinated. And Robin wasn't performing. He was watching Rick perform. 
And we're like, well, it's Rick's birthday. It's 21st birthday. Come on, have a shot with us. Mm-hmm. So Robin had a shot with us. And mm-hmm. then I don't know if he had another one or not, but then we went back to the alley to smoke. And he smoked with us, and he just stood there and watched Rick perform and laughed his head off. Mm-hmm. You know, because you think somebody like Robin, they were probably on all the time. Uh-huh. And not that night. He was he was enthralled at being an audience member, watching Rick do all these weird references to, you know, people that Robin knew, and he never did. And then, of course, like two days later, we see in the news, Robin Williams checks back into rehab. <laughs> so that's why it's sort of like, it's, you know, a shitty story, because we did that, and that sucks. But we also had an amazing evening with him, just hanging out. There were just like five of us, counting Robin, so pretty amazing. And Rick Ingram, as the podcast listeners know, is my favorite. Yep. Yep. I have a comic crush on him so hard. <laughs> he, the first time we saw him, this was before I even wanted to do stand-up, didn't even know what I was doing, um, we were in the audience, and he looked at John, and he goes, what do you do? John goes, oh, I work for the government. And then he goes, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I really can't say. <laughs> and Rick looked at him and he goes, shouldn't you have said that? first yeah. and I'm laughing and then there was a guy behind us who had a turban on and he goes well what do you do and he goes I'm a molecular engineer so then Rick looks at Johnny goes oh now I know why you're here and he's all get him I am doing your job for you <laughs> And just the fact that I knew, like, John wasn't a plant. Like, you know, he's my yeah. husband. And I was like, this is coming off the top of this man's head. Yeah. And he just, for the whole set, made fun of John. And I was like, oh, I'm in love. <laughs> I mean, when Rick first got passed, he had actual material. But then he started doing this drunk Argus and, like, you know, talking about, like, the old times. As if he literally had been here during the 70s at the club. And I kept thinking to myself, boy, if he ever gets this type of confidence on stage and drops his written material, there's no stopping him. And then, bam, it happened pretty quick. I love him. And he knows it. He knows I'm very awkward around him. So I think they like to, him and John like to watch me get awkward. And And then, yeah, yeah, I screamed at him once because he walked by me and I go, Rick! Right in his face. (laughs) Right in his face. We were stood on either side of, of the of the back of the building, and he's trying to get to the, the parking lot, and we're just talking. She stops mid-sentence and goes, Rick! Yeah, his daughter's going to be amazing. Oh, you know, no. he's, he's raising, well, he's not raising her, but he's Corinne is the breadwinner. Uh-huh. You know, role change. But I'm like, that is going to be the coolest little motherfucking yes. kid. Oh, yeah. Ever. <laughs> and it's fun. It's because my youngest, he is kind of interested in comedy. And he's like, Mom, I want to see what you do. So I took him to Comedy Chow uh-huh. two Wednesdays in a row when he was on spring break. He didn't get on stage, but he watched. And he just had that spark in his eye. And I'm really? Like, yes. I yeah. wanted one. And then he was leaving. And he's like, oh, see you guys next Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, maybe you have school. And he's like, Mom, it'll be fine. I'm like, no. I can't. No, you're eight. Yeah. Mom, it's fine. Like, I've got a road gig. Yeah. Just shut your mouth, Mom. I'm like, why are you ruining everything? Well, did you fall asleep on the way home? Like, you're still a baby. Uh, I used to um, run a club back home, and I'd let my daughter either hang out, like, hide behind the coat check or <laughs> hang out in the, the basement. 
um, <laughs> like in the basement stairs and like watch the shows or like listen to the bands play and stuff like that. Because we had comedians, but it was a lot of music and yeah. shows like that. So yeah, it, I kind of feel when when there's the pictures of Polly like in the back booth and stuff right. like that. I kind of feel like, oh, I, I remember what that was like. I wish I could do that here, but I can't. Right? I just wish she could be a part of the store. You think. Me. <laughs> and then you take her to a freaking comedy chow, and Nick Country gets on stage oh. and says, pussy, a hundred times in three minutes. <laughs> Hello. No, oh my God, I'm going to get a pussy tree. And then he just kept talking about a pussy tree, and Brody's like, well, this guy isn't stable. <laughs> 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 no, he is not okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I could talk honestly. I could talk to you all day. Do you have any other memorable? Like, give me more. <laughs> give me all of it. Give me more. Give me more. Um, I remember one night I was there late night. And I was just the manager and me. This is before we had security or anything. I think there might have been like one or two staff still there, and so I went into the main room to turn off the lights and. <laughs> Ron Jeremy and Eddie Griffin were on stage back-to-back with their pants down. Each one of them had a girl in front of them getting blowjobs. And I just sort of turned around and was like, okay, didn't didn't need to see that. Uh, (laughs) What was Sam Kennison like? I don't know. He had passed by the time I got there, so I didn't know Sam. I I know Carl LeBeau, who is his best friend in opening act. Uh, Carl's one of my... Yeah. I always, when people ask me who's my favorite, I like sort of have three guys from different generations: Carl LeBeau and uh, Brian Holtzman, <laughs> our resident maniac, and Rick Ingram. And then now, from a newer generation, I throw in Fahim Anwar. Yes, yeah. He's crazy town. I saw him in the original room one night. He was late, super, super late. Yeah. So, you know, it's like getting to that spot where nobody can even laugh anymore. Right. And I, at that point, I was like, okay, I want to do stand-up. So at that point, I was kind <laughs> of just watching, just studying. Yeah. And Fahim came up on stage, and the whole room was just dead. And I watched him revive the room. Yeah. And it was the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. It was so good. <laughs> and then one night, we watched Nick Yosef. Get on stage, and there was just this group. It was in the original room, and they were in the like 17, 18 spot on the other side of the piano. Yeah. And he just ripped on them, <laughs> and you could tell he didn't mean to. Like he kept trying to go back to his material, but he just kept looking at them. Like he <laughs> yes, yeah. And it was magic. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love. Um, it was the day after Brent Morin put out his newest um, special uh-huh. and he was he burned all of his material and he went up on stage and you and him for 15 minutes mm-hmm. improvised three like musical theater oh, yeah. songs <laughs> he's really good at that he's too he's so good and like he's I got did, a good voice and I really good to hear I did musical theater before and I sat there and I was like oh <laughs> no <laughs> like because usually I'm not I'm not huge into musical comedy just, I don't know. Like for me, because I think because I did musicals before, yeah, and I do comedy. Like they're very separate in my brain. Um, but he did that, and I was like, oh, that's cute. Oh, and you're pretty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a good-looking man. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
But they have a bunch of good-looking guys. Oh, yeah. The night I knew I wanted to do stand-up, though, was when Steve Simone was eating a bag of dicks on stage. He did. The biggest bag of dicks. Like, all of the dicks. It's not happening. No, no. But there was this blonde, tiny, blonde, white chick, and she was heckling the fuck out of him. Oh, yeah, don't heckle Steve. And she, at one point, she, like, tried to stop, like, interjected while he was speaking. Ugh. And she goes, he goes, what? What do you want? She goes, I just wanted to give you a joke. And he went off on her and started yelling at her, and then he stopped. He stopped. And he goes, you know what? I don't know why you're like this, but I think you need a hug. And he gave her a hug. And, like, the whole energy in the room just changed. And then he looked at all the audience members, and he goes, this is the point of the night where every one of you thinks that you can do stand-up comedy. Yep. And in my head, I go, yep. And John looked at me and goes, fuck no. And I was all, oh, this is the turning point. Okay. We are different. We are different. You're going to be supporting me and taking care of our three children. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the funny thing for people who like performing is there. I I don't understand people who just want to be an accountant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it never made sense to me. It's like you grow up and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to have a plan. Because you get to an age where saying, like, I want to be an actress or I want to be a singer or something like that, like, it's not an acceptable answer anymore. But see, I never had that because I wanted to be a physical therapist. Huh. And I was really good at it, like a straight-A student, because I had that memory. Like, yeah. I'm that person, I can read a book and I can tell you where in a page that sentence was. Like, I have that memory. Yeah. yeah. So, but anytime we were, I, I hate saying it, but mostly it was at funerals. Anytime somebody was like, would you like to come up and say something? I was like, wait, I get to talk in that? I, I get to go in that thing right now? <laughs> and I would. And my dad would just embarrass because I'd get up and talk. And then after a while, he's like, you know what, Sissy? You're really good. I like <laughs> that microphone thing. That thing's fun. Yeah. Have you tried it? And then I did the high school graduation speech just because I wanted to. And then, uh, yeah, but I didn't know how to get into stand-up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, well, the best thing to do is watch it. And then somebody right. mentioned an open mic, and I'm like, well, what's that? <laughs> how do you do that? So, like, yeah, I think because I wasn't in it and I yeah. didn't do drama. I was, like, the ugly, weird kid in high school that everybody knew and everybody liked me, but I just didn't have a group. Yeah. So I was, I don't know. When did you know you wanted to perform? Uh, well, I was, I mean, when I was a little kid, my parents started getting me magic tricks and I would do birthday shows for, you know, kids younger than me. But I remember the definitive moment when I realized that it was musical theater. My parents took me to see Vincent Price performing in the musical uh, Oliver. And he was playing Fagin. Yeah. And he was singing the song, Reviewing the Situation, which is a patter song. And it has just tons of words, and it gets faster and faster and faster. And on each break in between the chorus, the violin player would play this sort of Yiddish violin. And each time it would be a little longer and a little longer. And the third time, the violin player stood up out of the pit, orchestra pit, so he was visible. They put a spotlight on him, and he was playing this real long sort of Yiddish you know, thing. And Vincent Price pulled his sta- a, a stool all the way down to the edge of the stage and sat down and looked the opposite way from where the guy was. The guy was over <laughs> on the left, his left-hand side. And Vincent looked to the right 
and slowly scanned the audience with this scowl on his face all the way to the left to where he made eye contact with the musician. And the guy just sort of like, and it was, you know, playing. Uh-huh. But the guy sort of just went, <laughs> and, you know, slumped down into the, uh, back into the orchestra pit. And then Vincent just did this take staring at the audience and everybody started to laugh and applaud and i leaned over to my mom and i whispered the words that's what i want to do oh i love it that's what i want to do and that was it then it was like okay there's this you know so probably somewhere around i don't know third fourth grade i had that experience then there was a children's theater program at my elementary school that was like once a week after school and then uh, you could go during the summer to the big uh, workshops they had at a high school. And then I ended up teaching for them. The lady mm-hmm. that was my school, my uh, drama teacher, ended up running that drama department. So that's where I met my mentor, and everything just sort of snowballed from there in the performing. I had a similar thing. I think I was five, and my uh, my grandma took me to our regional theater. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, it was Peter Pan. <laughs> and there was the little girl playing wind. Yeah. And I remember looking over at, at my man. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that better. Like, I could do that. Because we would perform at church, and the year before, she had started me on violin lessons, so I had done, like, violin recitals and stuff throughout the year. Yeah. And I just remember going, oh, you get to do that with grown-ups? You get, you can, oh, like, yeah. That's her job. Like, that's what she does. Like, it hasn't occurred to me that that was a thing you could do. Right. Right. And as a kid, I was relating to the adults. My dad was the Methodist minister for the college students out of Kent State. And so sometimes he would direct some of the plays. And once in a while, my sister was in some of the plays when they needed it. You know, I'd be hanging around the rehearsals and was just like, oh, this is definitely what I want to do. And I always got along better with uh, older people. Because mm-hmm. I just thought of myself as, you know, oh, I'm old and mature. Mm-hmm. My, my friends in school are stupid and young. Yes. They don't hang out with college kids. <laughs> <laughs> Did your family encourage you to perform? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had uh, piano lessons, even though I didn't want it for about three years, and then maybe a couple of summer refresher classes, and just sheet music never really stuck in my head. But I got the fundamentals down at an early enough age that when I discovered that I could play by ear, I had enough basic learning at that point that I was, you know, able to sort of pick it up and go forward. <laughs> Although I'm still the sloppiest pianist in the city. No. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, no. You just don't hear it. Other pianists hear it. Well, in fact, somebody, this was, <laughs> I played this one song up for somebody last night, and uh, the song is called The Night in Tunisia. And I remember when I first started working there, the the, com- the uh, other piano player that I ended up replacing sat down, he, like he pulled me into the other room and the piano. He's like, "That's not how you play Night in Tunisia. It's like this." And I'm like, "What difference does it matter? You play it perfectly. I play it by ear. So yeah. what? It's it's to bring a comic up with you know ten seconds of music. Uh huh. Like, what is the problem?" But he was very insistent that, that's, that's, you know, like, I don't care if it's not right. I'm not, this is not the piano store. It's the yeah. comedy store. But how amazing, you get to sit there and just, oh, you probably see, oh my God. 
I want to have your eyes. I want to have your eyes. I have seen a lot. Late Night with Dave Chappelle, and like I said, Robert Williams, and Richard Pryor, and, and the celebrities that come into the club. Oh, yeah, Sean Polomsky's still pissed off at you, by the way. Why? Uh, was it Bette Midler? Oh, yeah, Bette was yeah. there one night. And oh, I, she was so mad because you didn't call her. Oh, oh she I didn't was... even go over and, like, yeah. I was so, like, oh. Oh, I I generally I don't bother the celebrities when no. they're at our club because it's they're they're coming to be an audience member, uh-huh. yeah. you know. But some That's of like them. Tori. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sean Polosky, she was Tori? on the podcast and she was shouted you because I was we were talking about laughs and I've told you this before. Your laugh and Jessica Wellington's laugh are my favorite. <laughs> oh my god. There was a guy that outdid both of us last night. Oh, yeah? He had this high-pitched cackle. <laughs> and he was this little dude sitting right in front of the piano. I, I videotaped it oh. <laughs> for my memories because I'm like, nobody will believe this laugh. But your laugh is you have the most infectious laugh. I love you and Jessica Wellington. Anytime oh. she laughs, I can't help Well, it. if it's funny, I'm, I'm going to laugh no matter how many times I've heard it. And uh-huh. especially things are different with the different audience. You know, they take yes. on different nuances and come Something that's funny might not be funny another night, and that's what makes it funny to me. Yeah. Oh, I know. I feel evil sometimes. It's yeah. Like someone says something, and they just eat a bag of dicks, and oh. you're like... <laughs> oh, I know. I can't stop in the I know. Sometimes. I giggle, and people on stage are often... Shut up, Jeff. <laughs> it's my... I love it. I used Jessica Wellington's laugh to gauge whether or not I was doing well when I first got here. Because, you know, you're like, oh, I can do this back home. But, like, will will people in L.A. understand or think I'm funny and stuff? And she was so kind and, like, generous Uh and, like, willing to laugh out loud. Because there's a lot of comics who aren't, even if they think something's funny. Yeah, right. So... I was like, oh, Jessica thinks I'm funny, so <laughs> it works with somebody. <laughs> and then you're me, and just, I laugh at all of the wrong times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got kicked out of the main room when Tom Arnold was on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one laughing hysterically loud. Half funny. Oh, it was, they're all joy. I'm all, I know, I know. Uh, a friend of mine called me up a couple months ago. And he said, does Bill Burr come into your club? And I'm like, yeah, all the time. Why? And he's like, he was on Conan the other night, and he was talking about he was performing at a comedy club. He didn't say which one. And he said the audience was not getting it. The, the only person laughing was the piano player. <laughs> and so Bill told Conan, he's like, so I turned my mic sideways, and I played to the piano player for the whole set. And my friend's like, that wouldn't have been you once. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And this is a friend that knows that I work with a lot of famous people. And he's like, you know Bill Burr? I'm like, yes, I know Bill Burr. <laughs> I get I get messages like that from back home. They're like, have you met Bobby Lee? And I was like, yeah, yeah he yells yeah. at me sometimes. <laughs> I told him he had a small dick. <laughs> How would you know? Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Hey, he's I... He's uh, and he's Asian. Uh, There's no way he doesn't have a small I hooked up with a very handsome Japanese professional golfer years ago, and he was uh, hung. Yeah. He, Let's put it that way. he Yes, he was above and beyond. 
<laughs> so they're not all. No, he, he admitted. <laughs> he admitted. Like, he was like, I do have a small. I mean, no, they're not. No, listen, stereotypes are not. We can't go by that, but. <laughs> well, okay, well, well, that's not true. But, uh, yeah. Of men. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's your favorite Missy story? Because I am so jealous. I, <sighs> oh, well, the. The night that I stayed over with her, the first night she needed somebody to stay at the house with her, uh-huh. Polly called me. He's like, bro, Mitzi needs you to come over and stay. She can't be alone tonight. Did he call her Mitzi or mom? Mitzi. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if he was talking with her, it'd be mom, but then it was Mitzi. Okay. Uh, so I went over and stayed with her, and we, I, she had one of those California queens or king or whatever, that giant bed uh-huh. that like six people could fit in. And I was sitting on the bed with her. We are watching old comedy specials, and she was just talking shit about the comics oh. and telling me little stories and stuff. And then uh, I, I stayed downstairs off of the kitchen. was a little guest room, so that's where I was sleeping. But there was an intercom down there if Mitzi needed me in the middle of the night. And she buzzed me in the middle of the night. She just needed some assistance getting up and going to the bathroom. She could still walk at that point, but she was just starting to get a little unstable on her feet. Uh-huh. And... The, you know, the Parkinson's and things were just starting to sneak into her and all. So I walked her into the bathroom and shut the door. And then when she came back out, I walked her over to her bed. And again, it's this big California queen. It's like, you know, four feet off the ground. So I said, Mitzi, let me just pick you up and set you into the bed. And so I picked her up in my arms and leaned over the bed. And I lost my balance and so that I wouldn't fall directly on top of her. I put my right leg and arm on the, uh, on like, I straddled her. I fell over and ended up straddling her. So I'm, like, on all fours, right on top of her. We're nose to nose. And it's like 4.30 in the morning. And she looks up at me. She's like, oh, Scott, are you coming on to me? I thought you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just rolled over. And the two of us sat there like 10-year-old girls just giggling. so you know it's like i have i mean lots of people had you know their special connections with mitzi Uh no no doubt but that was my little and i mean she would have been happy if i'd stayed every single night but as i have my own illnesses i have to be my own caregiver so Uh so i couldn't be there every night but god that was a fun fun night oh i love that yeah, she's an amazing woman. I know. Ugh. Really amazing. The store. I mean, she made the store. Yeah. She gave me a place where I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, the Island of Misfit Toys. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So everybody, I've always heard comics refer to it like that. And I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Because in L.A., we're all the oddballs. Uh-huh. We're, we're the unusual people. We're the odd-looking people. We're the off personalities. Uh-huh. And at the store... We all are the same. Yeah. And, you know, it's just such a strong, loving family. I mean, while I was out of town this past week for my dad's funeral, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people just texted and checked in on me daily. Just, you know, doing okay. Holtzman, of all people. No. Holtzman, Holtzman always checks on me if I'm not there. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it, yeah. yeah, and you saw it. Like, you really saw it when Brody, because I was watching oh. comics just 
grab each other. Yeah. And I was telling people, you're special. You're special. I love you. I know. Well, that hit me too at Brody's memorial. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody, the first thing out of everybody's mouth, hug and a kiss, and I love you. Uh Yeah. We all just said I love you. That You know, people in the L.A. don't necessarily, you know, maybe with their intimate family, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But everybody at the club was... Just, you know, I love you. And I hold a hug. Like I said, there's the straight comics that hug me and kiss me. Some on the cheek, some on the lips. They don't care. Mm-hmm. It's family. Yeah. And that's such a nice feeling to have. It, it is. Like and especially at your job. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, really? I get paid to be here? All right. <laughs> and then you have to go and, like, massage naked people at the, at the chiropractor. You know, like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be here anymore. Wait a minute. Why are they naked at the chiropractor? Because a lot of them, well, most of them I've been doing for 12 years, so they're all just comfortable as hell with me. Yeah. But um, a lot of them are just rehab massages. Oh, okay. So I deal, and the glutes, actually, your glutes hold a lot of tension because it's your center point. Really? It's your hinge. And a lot of people, like, in the beginning, they were like, don't touch my butt, don't my, and I just kind of do that. Yeah. And oh, oh, and I'm like, yeah. And so, you know, I'd go from gym shorts to boxers. Right. To just nothing. I've lost a bunch of fat on my butt. I still have muscles in my legs from all the years that I danced, but I used to have a round, strong butt, and now it's just sort of old man fat. <laughs> I've never had a butt. I've never no. had a butt and a pair of pants to put them on. Well, I did when I was younger. I was, oh, I you know, I was always like, in ninth grade, I was 5'4", and I weighed 99 pounds. Oh. And I grew four inches over the summer, uh-huh. and I only gained 10 pounds. Oh, shit. I was just like David Taylor, tall and string bean. Uh-huh. And then when I hit my 30s, I actually started to fill out. And, you know, I was stay pretty much the same shape and all, depending on how much I don't drink or drink. <laughs> Although I'm better with that, too, now. I just do the martinis. Yes, the fancy ones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> telling my uh, a friend back home when I got a martini when we went out. The stupid joke, but it's so true. Martinis are like women's breasts. One is not enough, and three is too many. That's why I have four. (laughs) 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 Usually I'll have, like, you know, on Tuesday I'll have two, and Saturday I'll have three, but I also forget that they're pouring me doubles. Uh (laughs) But it's, you know, it's a good sipping drink. It's like... When I drank vodka soda or vodka tonic, I could just drink those like water. Go, you know, 10, 12, easy. Uh-huh. And it, it was all alcohol weight. I got up to 193 at one point. On your thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I've been pretty much 157 for a long time. But it's exactly what I, when I moved up from San Diego to L.A., I wasn't riding my bike over to SeaWorld every day to work. I wasn't in a live show six times a day. What did you do at SeaWorld? Uh, I used to impersonate Pee Wee Herman there, Oh, that's too. right. Okay. Yeah. At the Ohio Park, I hosted a, a, the very first outdoor laser and fireworks show in the country. And uh, two shows a night, seven nights a week. And then during the winter, they sent me to the San Diego Park. There was a show called City Streets where there were... Uh, it, it's actually the set from the movie Annie. 
uh-huh. the New York set, and there mm. were these permanent bleachers built around it. But it looked like a city street. There were street lights and traffic lights, and you'd hear sounds of cars and stuff. And we had BMX bike riders and break dancers, and, uh, skateboarders, and dog act and stuff like that. So I was down there. I did six days a week. They want me to do seven also. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I've just finished that. doing two shows a night, seven nights a week. Plus, the first year I was doing mine during the day at the Sea Lion and Otter show. So I was working about 15-hour days. Yeah. On the other hand, when you get to do what you love, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. work. It's like I, my friends were like, how can you work every single night? I'm like, because I love it. <laughs> and that's how I got to San Diego and California. I was like, I'm going to finish my contract, and I'm moving back to where it's 72 and sunny every day during the winter. There you go. There you go. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel completely relaxed, although I didn't do much for my ears. Was I supposed to do your ears? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do I have a thing on my face? No, you're perfect. Do I have a- <laughs> you're perfect. All right, that was my episode with Jeff Scott. I mean, how fucking cool is that? I'm still kind of on cloud nine with this episode, guys. And um, please like, subscribe, comment, especially iTunes or anywhere, really. I appreciate wherever you guys listen. And if you'd like, send me an email at joyshappyindians at gmail.com. Goodbye.